Good morning, everyone. bit of a height differential between Ashley and I, so I apologize ahead of time for the adjustments you're going to have to make on the tail end here. Um, as Pastor Matt alluded to a moment ago, thanks Matt, um, today is, is different than, than what you might normally experience here at Terra Nova in Saratoga if you don't call Terra home or if you're visiting with us here today, um, which I think is a good thing for you, depending upon why you're visiting. If you're visiting to kind of, because this, this area is home for you and you're seeking after a place you can call home where you can grow in your knowledge and love for Jesus with God's people, then I think today's a great day for you to be here. And even if you're not, hopefully it is, because as I share some of our heart and vision for uh, what it means for us to chase after Jesus and be disciple makers and be on mission together, I hope that that would be universally encouraging and instructive for any Christian anywhere. So here, here's why we do this, and we probably should do it more often than we even do once a year. But we do this because we don't want to lose sight of why it is that we do what we do. My personality is such that if I don't step back regularly in my own life and when considering my family's goals and purposes and when considering the church's purposes, then I'll miss the forest for the trees. And so that's why we do these state of the church messages where we kind of do an overview of where we've been and where with open hands we see the Lord bringing us. Today I'm gonna to use a framework uh, to help us work through this, um, where we'll use uh, the mission of our church, the values of our church, the vision of our church, and the strategy of our church. The mission is our purpose, our values is our core identity, who we are and the parameters within which we operate. The vision is the picture of what it looks like when it's done, and the strategy is the very practical piece of how are we going to get there? The boots on the ground, strategic pieces that actually move us closer towards fulfillment of our mission and our values and the vision. So the first, the first, the front end here is going to be a little bit more uh, overarching, high level. Why do we do what we do? What makes us tick here at Terra Nova Church? And then the latter half is going to be much more um, practical in nature. For those of you who aren't as familiar with Terry, you're going to find out what are some of the activities and rhythms and programs in the life of our church that actually move us uh, towards fulfilling this mission and vision that we have. So when it comes to our mission, the mission is the, the cause that drives us. Uh, any organization, any church, any individual, any family should probably have a mission and probably does whether you articulate that or not. It's, it's your purpose. And our purpose as the church here at Terra Nova, and honestly, this would be universal, even if worded differently from place to place, is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, we can all remember that, right? To make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. At Terra Nova, sometimes if you've been in a nucleus class or in conversation with us, we'll fill that out a bit. The more full expression of that is to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission through making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ by planting churches. Just gives us a little bit more fodder to talk with you about in terms of our heartbeat and where we sense God leading us to fulfill the great commandment. What is that? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why does it have to start there? Really, nothing else matters if we're not getting that part right. Before the fall, before sin entered the world, our main purpose was to worship God. 
That's still our main purpose, even though he's also called us to be ambassadors to reach the world with the good news of the gospel. All right? And mission, the Great Commission, really flows out of the Great Commandment as people see the effervescence of love and grace and truth springing from the church because of their worship of their God whom they love. How do we do that practically? By making more and better disciple church, uh, uh, more and better disciples of Jesus Christ, and even more practically, our conviction at Terra Nova, as you'll, you'll hear a little bit more later on, is to do that primarily through planting churches, which starts on a much more micro level of even individual disciples and small groups. That's our mission, make more and better disciples of Jesus. Implied in that is both the evangelistic piece, the more, and the growth, sanctification piece of better. And they really work together. You can't have one without the other, or else, or else there's an imbalance or something unhealthy being expressed in our lives or in our church, okay? That's our mission. When it comes to our values, values are those pieces of identity that define us. They're the parameters within which we make decisions in life and within which we operate. Or you can typically see values play out in someone's life, whether they even realize those are values for them or not, if you hang out with them enough. Or, or people can see it in our lives and in your life. These things I'm about to mention as examples aren't bad things, don't hear that. They're coming out of my own pilgrimage, things that I enjoy, probably you'd see as values in my life. But for example, somebody values the outdoors, you're probably going to see them make a lot of decisions revolving around when they have space and time taking advantage by going and recreating in God's creation. If somebody values sports or even a particular team, you probably can count on them flipping on the game when their team is on, maybe even wearing the apparel of the team they're rooting for that day. It's something they value. If you value your cultural heritage, then you probably have a, a vested interest in certain foods and certain festivities and holidays and traditions that are based upon that country and culture. And it can be seen in your life. Nothing wrong with that. Those are just examples of values that we have, whether spoken or not, that can be seen by how we live our lives. At Terra Nova, we have three core values um, that we seek to live by to use as parameters within which we make our decisions and live. Um, and because I'm going to be doing a lot of talking today, this is an opportunity for church family participation. You already heard Pastor Matt mention one of them. What's one of our core values? Christocentric. And I'm glad that you started there because even if we lose the other two core values that I'll speak to in a little bit, we would rediscover them in the person and work of Jesus Christ. To be Christocentric means exactly what it sounds like, Christ-centered. Our thoughts, our actions, our decisions as individuals and as a church family revolve around the person and work of Jesus. He is what's most important. Everything else is a distant second. Now let me say, we aspire to these values. But at least I know I, and we as a church, sometimes get this woefully wrong. But thanks be to God, we repent, we go back to Jesus, and with the help and encouragement of one another in community, we return to being Christocentric. What's the second core value of our church here at Terra Nova, for those of you who've been here for a while? Louder. Somebody must have said out there, incarnational. <laughs> I did think I heard it from over in this area, but I was just hoping that was the one that was said. 
Um, yes, a second core value of ours at Terranova Church is to be incarnational. What does that mean? Well, let me explain what it is first. We model ourselves around Jesus as being incarnational, who we see the best description of this, I think, in all of the Bible in John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, or tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the, of, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. To be incarnational is to be present. He dwelt among us. And full of both grace and truth. Just like Jesus entered a particular time and place and culture and people, and he spoke the way that they spoke, and he dressed the way they dressed, and he talked the way they talked, and he worked the way they worked, and he celebrated the way that they celebrated, and those things became then vehicles through which he was able to share the good news of the kingdom, we seek to do the same in our own time and place and culture. All right, and another, put another way, we seek to be cultural anthropologists, truly trying to understand the communities within which we live, the people that we're surrounded by, what their particular needs are, what their particular worldviews are. And then we share the gospel in word and in deed in intelligent ways and in thoughtful ways that will make sense in hopes that more will come to know the good news of the gospel. So we seek to be Christocentric. We seek to be incarnational. We also seek to be a thir the third core value, anybody. It's the one we're often accused of actually being two core values, but we say it as one. Missional and monastic. And we put two together on purpose. It isn't just because we love threes, and so that's the only way we could have three core values. Those actually belong together. There's a symbiotic relationship there. They depend upon one another. Right, it's the more and better part of our mission state that we talked about a little while ago. On the one hand, we are missionaries seeking to bring the good news of the gospel to a lost world who needs it, who needs that news. And on the other hand, we seek to, seek to cultivate together the best of what the ancient monastics sought to do, which was experience kingdom life together in community, missional and monastic. And those things have to work together. And somewhere in there, the line gets blurred or should get blurred. When Jesus says something like what he says in John 13, 35, that the world will know that you are my disciples by the love that they see that you have for one another. Because in a statement like that is the implication on Jesus' part that as we love one another, as we serve one another, as we challenge one another, as we rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping, we're not doing that in isolation, but that we're doing the whole Christian community thing in the presence of those who need the gospel, inviting them in to participate in our community experience so they can witness up close and personal the love of Jesus in our midst. Missional and monastic. And I love especially where the line gets blurred there between the two. That's our third core value. So we've talked about our mission, our purpose, to make more and better disciples. We've talked about our values, our core identity, the parameters within which we operate. We are Christocentric, we are incarnational, we are missional and monastic, or at least we seek to be by the grace of God. 
What about our vision? What is vision? Vision's a little bit different. All right, if our mission is the cause and our values are the identity pieces, those are a little bit more formulaic, structured, rigid in a good way. We need that rigidity. The vision is that which inspires. It's the dream that we have of what something is going to look like when it's finished, when it's done. What is the church going to look like when the bride has been fully washed white, sanctified, the bride of Christ, God's people? Maybe about six months ago, I went away on a retreat, um, and I wrote down some things that I envision our community here at Terra Nova Church looking like as we're approaching full maturity together. Or put it a different way, as we count the cost fully and follow after Jesus, or differently, as we walk fully in the Spirit. I wrote these through kind of the different lenses of our core values, and I'd like to share them with you guys. When it comes to being a Christocentric people, I see a community of people whose loyalty and love for Jesus trumps the people we most love, the pastimes we most enjoy, the possessions we most cherish, and the political ideologies we're most passionate about. But at the same time, I see followers of Christ who care deeply for people who love life, who enjoy God's good gifts, and who are brokenhearted over the needs of the world. In fact, we enjoy life maybe more than anyone else because of who we worship and who we know created this life and gave us these good gifts, but we also hold it with an open hand because we know that at the end of the day, Jesus is our greatest treasure. When it comes to being monastics, enjoying kingdom life together on this side of eternity, here's what I see as we seek to develop disciples within our church. I see the older generations at Terra Nova making great sacrifices to prepare and disciple the next generation to stand firm upon the truth against a growing tide of opposition to Christ followers. And not just parents with their children, but empty nesters and grandparents and the elders, per se, in our church, taking it upon themselves to recognize the younger generation and pouring into them. And I see a younger generation standing on their own two feet to defend the gospel with a love for Jesus that is their own and not just lived vicariously through their parents or through other spiritual influencers in their life. When it comes to being on mission, I see a community of people marked by such sincere humility and sacrificial service toward our neighbors that our presence here is deeply valued even where our beliefs aren't fully shared. I see a church whose first impulse towards those who are different than them is to assign to them the value that God does as those equally created in his image. I see a group of people genuinely eager to understand and learn from those who are different than them without feeling threatened by another viewpoint. I see a group of people whose first impulse is to meet a need that they see even when it comes at great personal cost. And I see a church whose absence in our community would be grieved if we were to ever not be here anymore. And finally, and this doesn't necessarily flow from one of the core values we talked to, 
but it's been on our hearts as your leaders to be a more spirit-filled church, fully dependent upon God. I see a community of people who are so willing to risk for Jesus that there's a continual stream of testimony as to the power that is at work in our midst that's beyond our own. I see people who are so expectant of God's promise to act and to provide that they regularly risk looking foolish in order that he may be glorified. I see people humbly availing themselves to the Holy Spirit's power as a demonstrative witness to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I see a community of believers and not yet believers living together in awe at the manifest power of the God of the universe. How does all this sound to you? You know where I get this from? Just looking at Jesus and his life and what he was about and the impact he had on others and in turn how that shaped a community and the church throughout the generations. I see it in the book of Acts and in the New Testament when the church is at its best. And honestly, guys, I see it in the midst of this congregation. I've had glimpses of it for the last eight years. That's why I have categories in my mind that I can speak to, is what I see when God has fully formed this local church and these people into his image. But we have a part to play in that. And that's what leads us to the strategic piece of all this. So never lose sight of the vision, but it doesn't just happen on its own. How is the strategy different than the other pieces? Well, I think that when it comes to the mission of the church and the values of the church, those are gonna be pretty steadfast and unchanging. And though it may be said in different words by different people, the vision for God's people probably should be the same. The strategy, that's a method. And a method is gonna look different from church to church, from culture to culture. That actually reflects our core value of what it means to be incarnational. Right? If we are actually sensitive to the time and place and the people that God is seeking to, to reach, for, for, to have us reach, and to who's within our own walls, it's going to look different from place to place. So the strategies I'm now going to talk about, these aren't things we should divide over with other churches or Christians who see it differently than us, by and large. Okay? So I want to offer a little bit of structure to how we talk through these strategic pieces in our church, and I'm going to do that by talking about strategies that are aimed at growing us in three categories, as mystics, as pilgrims, and as missionaries, or in the area of theology, community, and missiology, or you may have heard head, heart, hands, so many different ways to say it. I'm going to talk about it through these categories of eternal and upward focus as theologians and mystics who are seeking after our God and seeking to know him. The internal being that pilgrim journey that we are on, not just as individuals, but together in community, growing in Christ-likeness together. And then the external, that we are not insular, but we are looking outside of this community to see the places that God is bringing us into to share the gospel. So the eternal. Where have we been? Just as a disclaimer, there'll be a lot that I could highlight that I won't be. I just have to kind of pick and choose as we move through these things. 
But Sunday gatherings here, what we're doing right now on Sunday morning, is one of the primary places that we seek to grow as mystics and theologians and worshipers of God. We do that through the preaching of the word. We do that through singing songs of praise with rich uh, theology embedded into them. We do that through celebrating communion together. When we do that each week, we're remembering what Jesus has done for us and who he is, who our God is. These are just a few different ways in which as we gather, we are seeking to grow ourselves as eternally minded people. As theologians, that word literally means the study of God, but it's more than an academic thing. It's, it's getting to know a person. And Sunday mornings is an important place for that to happen. We unashamedly here at Terra Nova Church value the preaching and teaching of God's word. And the way that we approach doing that is typically, the fancy word would be exegetically, where we'll walk through books of the Bible one at a time, chapter by chapter, sometimes paragraph by some paragraph, sometimes verse by verse. It's just the way we've chosen to approach it. Honestly, it helps Matt and I and others who preach here to stay more accountable to making sure that what's said is what God actually wants us to say, rather than us just speaking out of the overflow of what we think is important to say. By and large, over the past year, we've been in the book of Matthew, probably closer to two years by now. And so I just want to move forward to talk about where we're going to be when it comes to this aspect of our Sunday morning gatherings. We will continue in the Gospel of Matthew through November. And then as we typically do each year, we will break for those four weeks of Advent, and we will focus in actually this year on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which is one of the classic texts that foreshadows the coming of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ, wonderful counselor, mighty God, and so on. However, in there, we're going to pause just once before we get to Advent at the end of September, and we're going to actually pause to talk about membership together. And you guys are all thinking, oh gosh, that sounds horribly boring. I promise you that if it wasn't important, we wouldn't take a Sunday to talk about it and why it's biblical. I actually think that I've done a disservice over the years I've been here in Saratoga to not emphasize this aspect of community life and disciple-making more than I have. At its best, membership is just a reflection of the teaching in the New Testament that when we are baptized, we are baptized into the body of Christ. And where does that find its practical application? It finds its practical application in the expression of the local church. And if you're baptized into the body of Christ, that's a family. And we understand the concept of commitment to a family, whether that's in a covenant relationship in marriage or to family members. It's not all that different in the local church. And there needs to be teaching on that. And so we'll be touching on that later this month in September. After uh, Advent, we will take a couple, of we uh, a couple of months in the new year in January and February 2022 to uh, talk about the promises of God. And that's actually kind of a strategic bumper so that we can pick back up in March, finish the Gospel of Matthew with the resurrection on Easter Sunday, and then we'll actually be through the end of Matthew by the end of May. So that's a preview of where we're going to be going as we continue to journey through God's word together. I just want to offer some closing thoughts on here. Why is it important for us to cultivate the eternal, cultivate ourselves in community as mystics and theologians? There's a story I love that comes from Luke chapter 10. And in it, 
Jesus establishes his focus as the priority for his followers. In that story, there are two people who are dear and beloved to Jesus, Mary and Martha. You probably remember them, this story. It's a familiar one from Luke's gospel. In that story, there's Mary who's sitting at Jesus' feet as he teaches, and Martha who is very busy about the work of hospitality and preparing for her guests and for Jesus. One, he identifies Martha as being anxious and troubled. The other, Mary, seems to be at peace as she sits at her Lord's feet and learns from him. Here's what Jesus' point was not. His point was not, we shouldn't work hard and serve. His point was more about a heart priority. See, if we're first about being busy for God, doing things for God, working for God, even seeking to be obedient for God, then we may find ourselves more like Martha. But if we're first about being with God, taking his yoke upon us, learning from him, then we can be working hard, but our experience will be one of joy walking alongside of Jesus. There's a huge difference between these two things. And all of us find ourselves in the position of Mary or Martha at one point in time or another. That's why we can never stop being mystics or theologians or sitting at the feet of Jesus, okay? All right, the internal piece of our strategy to help fulfill that mission of, being, of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, this category is about how we journey together as fellow pilgrims, how we cultivate community together that is like the kingdom of God that Jesus came to reveal, how we grow together in this thing called sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. Certainly, Sunday morning is a part of that. But here's what I want to say. If, if you... If, 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 if for you, church on Sunday morning is the only thing that you think is going to get us to the place where the vision can be realized that we've talked about, then you're robbing yourself, and honestly, you're robbing others of what God intends for the church to be. The author of Hebrews says in chapter 3 this, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And again in chapter 10, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's a regular regularity to the early church's involvement in each other's lives, encouraging one another, spurring one another on to love and good works, challenging one another. I really don't think the author of Hebrews had one hour on Sunday morning in mind when he wrote these things. At Terra Nova, you've probably heard us say before that the primary place for community and discipleship and mission happens in the context of our tribes. Tribes are small groups, almost microchurches, emphasis almost. We recognize that there is a unique structure to the local church that isn't fully formed at the level of small groups here at Terra, okay? But it's almost like a microchurch and that it's the primary place that we seek to live out the one another's together of Scripture and then to share that experience of community with others outside of our church family. St. Patrick, I believe, is the one who's been attributed with the expression that sometimes people need to belong before they're going to believe. 
And that happens far more effectively and organically in the community that happens outside of these four walls on a Sunday, in our tribe contexts, or at least the potential is there for that. Um, Over the past 12 to 18 months, our tribes have remained a vital connect point for many during the height of the craziness and of COVID, given the factor that we had the ability to meet together in smaller groups outdoors. Some even utilized the technology of Zoom to many's chagrin. I know not all of us loved the digital platform. However, I appreciated it for what it was because it was the fact that community had already been established and built in meaningful ways in our tribes that made it possible to to remain somewhat connected during that time, much more effectively than it was able to happen here on a Sunday morning. So where do we plan to go? Let me start with tribes, and then I'll speak to some of our other ministries here at Terra Nova. And I'm just going to tell it to you straight, guys, our tribes are full. There's full. No space in tribe right now. And at the same time, we've seen more significant growth in our congregation at large over the last 12 months than in any of the previous two to three years in a a 12-month time frame. Ironic, given what we've just been through. And you haven't necessarily heard us speak a lot about it, number one, because it wasn't the greatest time to join, right? Momentum in community that had already been built before COVID was able to kind of continue along to some degree, but it was a hard time for people who didn't already have that momentum to jump into a tribe. But the other thing is because we knew we were getting tight on space. And I think Pastor Matt and myself have fallen under some conviction that that wasn't a good enough reason to make people aware of not just that opportunity, but of of that key place of discipleship and community here in our church. So here's where we're at. There's a little bit of the fish and the loaves miracle and principle in Jesus' ministry that's in view here when I say this. If you call Terranova home, we want to make it possible for you to invest in tribe community. And here's what we've seen. In the past, when there has been a demand to be in a tribe, but no immediate space available, We've seen God open doors. We've seen new people step up to lead tribes, and we've seen new tribes formed. Last Saturday, not yesterday, but a week ago Saturday, um, our tribe leaders gathered together, and I talked about two things with them. One, our need for growth in tribes, and also our need for sustainability for our tribe leaders. And so here's what I asked them to do to help towards those ends. I told them, guys, I want you to immediately go back to your tribes, your existing tribe communities, and identify someone else in your tribe that you can start delegating responsibility to with the goal of handing over the reins to this person or that couple or that family for a year while you remain in that tribe. It accomplishes a couple of things. Number one, it's going to give them a break, and some of them need a break. They've been serving for two, three, four years straight. And as much as we want to try to build it flatter in our tribes, meaning everybody pulls equal weight in those communities, the reality is there's a different amount of weight that falls to those leaders. But there's a second thing that that accomplishes. Other than the break that it gives some of them, it's going to give opportunities for new individuals or couples or families to step up, to use gifts, to grow as leaders, but they're doing it under the covering of their tribe leaders because they're still in the same tribe with them. So those, tri- those previous tribe leaders can then give them feedback and tutor them and mentor them. And if all goes well, after a year, the seasoned tribe leaders will step back in to tribe leadership. And those who've 
taken the reins for a year, may start a new tribe. This is how we're going to continue to multiply disciples at Terra Nova strategically. Now, I hope it's not a year before we can start a new tribe, and I don't anticipate that's going to be the case. So here's what I've proposed. Two things practically for you guys. This is going to hit different people differently. Those of you who aren't in tribes but who want to be, and those of you who are already in tribes. Number one, first, if you're interested in getting involved in a tribe, please sign up now. I know I started this whole thing by saying we don't have any space. Sign up and let's see how God works. Historically, when there's been a big demand, God always seems to provide. It seems to be the impetus and the catalyst for new people to step up and realize there are needs and then for them to flourish in sacrificially serving. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you are already in a tribe here today, I want to encourage you to pray with open hands about the possibility you may be needed to step up and lead and serve in your tribe in different ways than you have in the past and possibly even to lead your tribe and possibly even to start a new tribe down the road. Please pray about that. I don't know where else it's going to happen from. I actually don't really want it to be mature people who come from outside of our church, who come here and start a new tribe. Then we're not making disciples. If we're making disciples, we are all growing from where we are to new places of sacrificially serving one another. So I know that the solution exists within our church family. So just pray about it. Hold it with open hands. If God would have you step up and serve in new ways, he's going to provide for you. You don't have to be nervous about that. So that's a bit of a vision for and strategy surrounding our tribes. I want to talk a little bit about our Sunday gathering space, not just as in a, a place to grow as mystics, but also a place uh, where we grow as pilgrims and in community together. And one of the ways in which we do that is through serving one another here on Sunday mornings. However, what happened is over the past 18 months or so, we scaled things back significantly, as you know, on Sundays. At first, we weren't meeting in person, then we were meeting in person, but for two services. And what we did is we scaled back a lot of the different areas of that we had volunteer teams. So as we return now to some level of normalcy, as we ramp things back up for the fall, we have a significant need for people in our church family to step up and serve in different ways here on a Sunday morning. From setup and teardown to greeters to communion to our Terra Kids program and everything else in between. I think that Pastor Matt is going to speak a little bit uh, later today, um, or at least this month on Sundays during announcements, and certainly during the town hall meeting downstairs after church, about some specifics to where those needs are. We're just asking you right now, would you please prayerfully consider, especially if you kind of stepped away during that season where we'd scaled things back, um, but regardless, just prayerfully consider serving and then we'll help you to find a place where we have need and is a good fit for you. I know that there's a lot of people over the past year who've come and are newer to Terra, and you may be feeling like this is a place now that you want to call home, and you're looking for a different way to kind of engage and serve. Perfect opportunity to live out what it means to be fellow pilgrims, growing in community together and serving one another, okay? So please reach out uh, to myself or Pastor Matt, um, and we would love to get you plugged in and serving somewhere. I've spent a lot of time talking about our tribes and our Sunday gatherings because honestly, those are the two biggest pieces for us as Terra Nova Church in terms of where we're seeking to, to live out and fulfill that mission of making more and better disciples. But I want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of our ancillary ministries. These are those places that are complementary to our tribes and complementary to Sunday mornings. 
starting with Imago and Poema. Imago and Poema are our men's and women's ministries, respectively. We don't do a ton of events for these ministries, maybe three to four times a year, because we don't want them to compete with people's ability to go narrow and deep in their tribes and with their families. But we do offer these because we think that there's something that is afforded in the opportunity to gather men and women together that is unique and beneficial. You've heard us talk at length about our retreats, uh, which are coming up here at the end of September and beginning of October. The only thing I want to add is we have plans going into the new year, January of 2022, for Imago and Poema, to spend time deeply exploring together what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman, biblically speaking? And you may say to yourself, well, that's obvious. Duh, like, isn't that what we should be doing in Imago and Poema? And I would say yes and amen, but historically, kind of what those have ended up being is really focusing on the unique fellowship that can be enjoyed as men and women gather together. And so right now, what we're recognizing is there's a need to go back to the scriptures and let God recalibrate our understanding of biblical manhood and womanhood because of how much confusion about this exists in our culture right now and even in our own hearts. So we think this is going to be important for us as a church, and there'll be more information on what that's going to look like and mean later this fall. Just briefly on our Terra Kids program, because I know many of you are wondering about that. That's one of the areas we scaled back during COVID. This is one of the biggest areas in which we need volunteers to be able to relaunch our Terra Kids program here on Sunday morning as well. Our goal at this point is to do so on October 12th. The reason why we're waiting until October is because there's a couple of retreats between now and then, so there are a couple of Sundays that'll be more difficult for us to gather up the necessary volunteers. And because the summer is a hard time for us to raise awareness to different serving needs and volunteers, so we're really going to hit the ground running on that here in September. Okay, and we believe that by October 12th, we're going to be in a good position to be able to fully launch our Terra Kids program again, like we had it before the last 18 months. Terra Youth, or Naos, which is a Greek word that, depending upon its context, means new or young. This is going to be a new initiative that we're looking to launch in January of 2022. Um, Pastor Matt and his wife, Jessman, as well as some other key families at Terra Nova Church have been working hard on this. And one of the things that they told me is that in the next, I think, year or two, we're going to have like 20 plus kids here at Terra Nova Church that are in the age bracket of 6th to 12th grade. And so we want to come alongside of families in supporting them and discipling their kids and to come alongside those parents and equipping them to be able to better disciple their kids. And so we have a vision on how to do that. And um, we're going to be expanding upon that today during the town hall meeting and in the coming weeks as we pre- and months as we prepare for that. But it's really going to be a community effort, especially the onus is going to be on families with kids in those age groups as we seek to equip you to be a part of that process here at Terranova Church. So please feel free. I know that's one that probably excites a lot of you and um, intrigues you and that you may have more questions about a great opportunity to be able to ask those is at the town hall meeting after the service today. Elements. Just want to briefly speak to this because it's a newer ministry at Terra that um, over the past year or so uh, was launched. Um, Ashley and Ben Hydock were significantly uh, the ones who were kind of the catalyst for this. What they did is they recognized that there was already, this is a community that loves to recreate in the outdoors, which is awesome. Um, But what they recognized was that 
more people would be able to participate if some formal structure was created to communicate these opportunities that some were kind of missing out on. And so they established this ministry, and their heart is also that these events, which already we've done camping and hiking and snowshoeing and whitewater rafting and skiing, and it's been awesome, these are perfect opportunities to blur the lines between the missional and the monastic. And their vision is for this to be a place not just where we enjoy growing together as fellow Christians, but where we can invite friends, neighbors, family who don't know Jesus yet into these contexts where we're recreating together and having fun together so that they can see what it's like to have Jesus at the center of your community. All right, I already know that they're planning some events for this October and November and then into the new year, so just stay tuned if that intrigues you and you want to find out more or feel free to talk to them. I want to talk about giving for a moment. Um, this could easily fall under the heading of the eternal because giving um, of what God has given, giving to God what he has given to us is actually a, a facet of worship. But you'll see in a moment why I'm kind of including it here under this heading of community. Um, all I'll say at this point in time in terms of numbers is by God's grace and the generosity of his people, we are on track for our budget this year. And we're going to be getting into some more high-level details at our town hall meeting. So you can hear it there and ask more questions there if you'd like. What I wanted to highlight here is that in the last few months, we established uh, a new team. Uh, we were calling it the financial advisory team. And what it, it is, is it's comprised of individuals here in our church family, just lay volunteers, who have a history here, who are invested here, and who have some level of um, experience and wisdom in the area of either finances or running a business um, or an organization. And um, what we want to do is invite them into the process, uh, seeing everything, all of our numbers behind the scenes, how we spend, where the, where the money is going towards, just say, what do you think about all of this? And just invite them as the scriptures teach us to be that multitude of counsel um, and to speak wisdom into that process. Historically, the way that's worked is that we've collaborated with the elders across the Terranova family of churches, sharing our budgets with each other and allowing each other to have input into those things. But we want to expand that circle of transparency to include people within our own congregation. So the people that we asked, and I asked permission to share their names, to join us for that, and we've already had one of our meetings, are Sean Chatterton, Stephen Alexander, Jason Brooks, and Reuben Todd. Um, men, for many of you, well-known people within our church who are invested and have been here a long time. And I've actually asked them, hey, would you guys be liaisons, ambassadors, whatever word you want to use for it, can we share your name so that people in our church, if they feel like weird about coming to Matter Eye, which you're welcome to, they can go to you guys. You've seen everything. And they all agreed to do that. So if you have questions about financially how things are run here and stewardship at Terranova Church, by all means, feel free to reach out to any one of those and they'd be happy uh, to be able to share as far as they're able, some answers as to how those things happen, okay? A couple more things. <clears throat> Leadership development. Um, two years ago, actually, we had a state of the church message and afterwards a town hall meeting. And um, we shared during that time our conviction and our heart for and our need for more leaders at Terra, not just tribe leaders, but elders or pastors. We believe a church is most healthy when it has a robust council or, or plurality of elders. <clears throat> and after that town hall meeting, I remember Reuben Todd came up to me and he said something to the effect, um, and this is paraphrased, but it, he said, it, 
really hasn't been an aspiration of mine before, but I've sensed that maybe God is calling me to explore the possibility of eldership at Terra. And so last summer, we started the Explore Eldership Collective, which is pretty self-explanatory, but it was created as an opportunity to dive more deeply into what it means to be an elder or pastor at Terra Nova Church. We see those terms used in the New Testament interchangeably, so we mean the same thing by both of them. Also, it was, and this was even more important to us, or after the fact we realized how valuable this part of this experience was, it ended up being an intensive small group where we really wrestled with some deep pilgrim questions about what it means to have a healthy soul, which is absolutely essential to serve God's people as a pastor or an elder. That group was comprised of Pastor Matt and myself and Reuben Todd and Paul Feketa, who's also on that journey of seeking to discern the possible calling of elder pastor in his life. Um, And so that was really an answer to prayer and an answer to the call two years ago of a need for more people to explore that possibility of eldership. And it's really been a blessing to journey with those guys over this past 12 months. It has. We'll be sharing more about what this means in the coming months, but I wanted to let you know um, that out of that collective, Reuben Todd has decided to officially enter our elder process. I know that Paul and his family are still praying about what that next step may look like um, for him and his family. But what I want to say at this point is regardless of where this ends up for both of these guys, um, they love the Lord. They love this church. And I'm grateful, regardless of where this process ends for them, for their leadership Um, in this congregation. It's just been a joy for Matt and I to journey with him over this past year. All right, one more thing under the eternal heading and then I promise the external will be much, much briefer as we come to a close. This coming May through August of 2022, I'm going to be taking a four-month planned sabbatical that will be a time of rest and refueling and refocusing for the next seven to 10 years ahead. Now, sabbaticals mean 10 different things to 10 different people, so let me define it for you and what it means for us here at Terra Nova Church. Sabbaticals at Terra Nova Church historically have actually been built into the expectation for full-time pastors, full-time vocational pastors in our church to take one once every seven plus or minus years. I actually was planning to take a sabbatical a couple of years ago, but as those of you who are here then know, we went through a little bit of transition at that time, and I ended up stepping into the lead pastor role and Matt ended up stepping into the, his position as the director of uh, worship and operations and now as a pastor. So a lot was happening that made that not an ideal time to take a sabbatical. I want to be clear here. Sabbaticals at their best are a preemptive season that's intended to provide for pastors space from the rigors of ministry to make sure that their head and their heart are in a healthy place. I have a a good friend and fellow pastor who is actually finishing up a sabbatical, and he sent me a text recently that captured, captured this in a profound way for me, the point of a sabbatical. And he noted that the value of his time on sabbatical, he really only discovered toward the end of it when he received a phone call from a member of his church about a loved one in their church who had passed away. And, um, When he found out, here's what he said in his text to me. He said, the next day I just started crying and I cried for a half an hour. It felt so good. And I realized what a toll this work takes on us who do it. It's good work, but it takes a big emotional toll. 
He went on to describe how with the busyness of ministry ongoing over a long period of time, it's so easy to become callous to the things that we as pastors need to keep a soft heart toward. And he finished his text, and this is what really struck me this way. He said, it's scary just how many things I glossed over in the course of normal ministry that probably deserved a good cry. By the way, this is a great pastor, someone I deeply respect, and someone I never would have accused as lacking empathy for his people. But the point is, it took him spending time away from the rigors of ministry for a season for him to realize Jesus needed to recalibrate his heart so that he could enter the next season refreshed and ready to serve his people with Jesus' heart. So that's our intent at Terra Nova for why we build in sabbaticals for full-time vocational pastors. And so that's the plan. Um, next year will be my 10th year in full-time ministry here at Terra Nova Church. Um, and I, I look forward to this. I know myself well enough to know how these times have served me when we've, as pastors, taken a, a couple-day retreat each year. Because I know what it's going to do is it's going to allow me to return better equipped to be faithful to ministry for the long haul. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up about that. All right, finally, the external. This is where we seek to be on mission together and multiply disciples. And we've talked about this in various ways thus far. A lot of that happens through our tribes or the potential is there, I think, most potently through our tribes. But there are other ways, too, in which we seek to be on mission together. Um, you heard in our uh, mission statement, the expanded version, that church planting was a part of that. Um, our conviction is that church planting is a primary way, effectively speaking, to be about the work of making more and better disciples. Let me just say again, that doesn't just start by buying a building and hoping people show up. It actually happens with small groups forming. And then from there, we recognize, oh, maybe a church needs to be planted here. That's exactly how Terra Nova Saratoga started. We had two or three small groups up here who were commuting down to Terra Nova and Troy, and we're like, why don't we have a church plant up there? There's already a, a core of people who love those communities and love one another. So just so you know, that's where church planting starts, at least in our minds at Terra. So a part of the way in which this conviction is reflected is in stewardship, how we use our finances at Terra Nova Church. Every year since our beginning, 10% of our annual budget goes towards church planting locally, regionally, and globally. This year, our budget is $280,000, so 28,000 of that went to church planting. All right, and that's been divided up amongst a handful of young churches and churches that are yet to be planted. And so you can ask more questions about this. We'd love for you to at the town hall meeting in a little bit. I just wanna run through really quickly who those churches are. Locally speaking, one of the churches we support is Terra Nova Church in North Adams, pastored by uh, Pastor Paul Gordon, who many of you know. Um, and they are most on our hearts as a part of this Terra Nova family of churches. So we're delighted to be able to continue to support them as they're in year three of their church plant. Engage Albany is another church that many of you may have familiarity with. For those of you who know Pastor Sean Nolan, um, he is the lead pastor down there, and they are an even younger church plant, just a little over a year in. And um, we're delighted to be able to support them and the work they're doing down in the city of Albany. Stepping back to more of kind of a regional perspective, we're supporting uh, Elliot DeLorne, who's a church planter who's being assessed by the Acts 29 Church Planting Network, a, a network we have historical affiliations with that we trust. And he's going to be planting a church in Henniker, New Hampshire. Covenant Church is a, another uh, church being planted out of Renovation Church in Syracuse, New York. Renovation is a church that we've 
had historical ties with, also part of the Acts 29 network, whom we love. We love those guys out there. Um, and then globally speaking, there's a church up in Magog, Quebec, uh, called Acts 21, A-X-E 21, not to be confused with Acts 29. Uh, that's the name of their church, and it's a French-speaking church in, in Magog, Quebec. And actually, in 2012, we supported uh, Acts 21, its first plant, Mark Pilon, some of you heard him speak down in Troy, um, uh, when they started. So this is their first church plant, like Saratoga was Troy's first church plant. And so we have the opportunity and blessing to be able to support them. And then finally, Maranatha Faith Temple over in India. Uh, Suryan is the name of the pastor who's planting over there. And the connection there is with Pastor Tori Arneson from Terranova and Troy. Um, Suri was a close and trusted friend of his from seminary, uh, and Tori made us aware of the need that they have right now where they're trying to establish themselves through having a building that they can gather people in. So we were able to give to, to them this year. So those are the churches uh, that we are helping to support in the work of church planting. And just, I just want you to hear this. Um, Terranova Saratoga wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the conviction and then that conviction being acted on by another church that wholeheartedly believed that church planting was a critical part of spreading the kingdom of God and God's mission to make more and better disciples. You and I are here this morning because of another church that had this conviction. And so we're just paying it forward in a sense. I want to just sum up uh, the, the external mission by saying a couple of things here locally. It's, it's also been our heart to be on mission. Um, and this past year, we've had the privilege of being able to uh, support Young Lives, and many of you know Julie Bickley, um, and Young Lives is a subsidiary of Young Life, and they seek to work with um, teen moms and supporting them and coming alongside them in practical care and discipleship, and also Next Steps, which is a faith-based pregnancy care center that's being established up in Glens Falls. Where we want to go is, even as we've committed 10% of the annual budget to church planting, we would like to move that number increasingly up for local mission as well. All right, and, and our goal for next year is to double basically what currently we're able to contribute towards local mission uh, to 5% um, of our annual budget. And so that's something we're excited about. It will stretch us. We don't even necessarily know what that's going to go toward. But the thing is, we know that if we commit ourselves um, to be blessing and contributing in our community um, in that financial way, we're going to start to see our community with those eyes and recognize where needs are that can be met and more and more work towards that vision of if ever we were to not be here one day, our community would actually miss us. They would grieve the fact that we are no longer here, hopefully because they've seen Jesus living his life through us, but also because they've seen his life demonstrated by the ways we've been able to be a blessing in our community. All right, other things I could say, but I'm gonna stop and I'm just gonna pray and I'm just gonna remind you that if you have questions about this, um, join us for the town hall afterwards because we'd love to be able to expand upon these things that we've only just scratched the surface of. So pray with me and then we'll worship with a couple more songs here. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share um, the work that, that you are doing. I love the words of wisdom that you spoke into my life long ago that it's not about what we can do for you, but it's about recognizing where you're already at work and coming alongside you. And I pray that you would lead and guide this church family so that we would continue to see it that way. I think of 
Proverbs 16, 9, Lord, which says that the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So we hold all of this with open hands, and we pray that you would guide our steps, and we pray that you would make this church community into a more beautiful expression of your bride that you promised to do, and help us, Lord, to play our part in laying down our lives before you as we follow you. I pray that we would be a church that's, if we were ever not be here, would be missed. Not that they would remember necessarily individual people and names primarily, but that they would remember the fragrance and aroma of something that transcended this world, Jesus at work in our midst. And Lord, with that in mind, we pray that in all that we say and think and do, that Jesus would be preeminent. And we pray that now, even as we continue in our worship together and in our discussion of these things after church, we ask and pray them all in Jesus' name. Amen.